0: so honored to be up here this morning. My name is Andrew Storms. I'm one of the elders here at Antioch Community Church. Tyler Hardy, our lead pastor, and his family are still on sabbatical, so we're kind of filling in. We're going to the bullpen again today. I actually got recognized at Starbucks the other day, sitting down with Chris Fletcher, our pastor. They knew who I was, but not him. I said, dude, you got to come back to church. "It It was pretty comical. It was funny. So anyway, I'm just so blessed to be up here this morning. We're on week two of a series that our worship pastor, who is in Indianapolis right now, Kaylin Taylor, he kicked off an amazing message. I was not here last week, but had the privilege to listen on my way home as my wife and I came back from our 10-year anniversary celebration. It was great. Left the the four little kids at home with her sister and a cousin and uh, just got lost for a few days, and it was amazing. And in all seriousness, my wife down here in the front row, she is so Beautiful, And she is so wonderful, not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. And I'm just blessed to have you in my life. She is an amazing mother, an amazing nurse. She's an amazing wife. Just everything, every role that God has given her, she just knocks it out of the park. And I say that with all sincerity, and I, I love you. But as I look at that, I, I know... And I say this very sincerely, that there are married couples in the room that cannot speak like that about their spouse right now. I know that for a fact, that sometimes we are at odds with each other if we're, we're married or perhaps your marriage is like hanging on by a thread. And I want to encourage you this morning that God can still redeem those relationships and he can fix and right everything that's wrong. I would encourage you to go and read the word of God in Ephesians 5, it talks about to have the marriage as Christ is married to the church, that you must actually have the wife respecting her husband. I know it gets real quiet when we talk about this because it's not an easy subject to approach, but it also tells the husband that he must love his wife. That entire passage in Ephesians 5 is predicated on the fact that you must submit one to another. When you submit to somebody, that doesn't mean that you hold on to any rights that, well, really, I was right, but you can go ahead and have your way. It's you saying that I give up or relinquish all my rights and I yield them to whoever it is that you're dealing with. That is what true submission looks like. As my wife and I submit to each other, we are not conflict-free. I can promise you that, but our marriage is perfect because perfection in the kingdom of God simply means completion. We were made for each other and we are completing each other in this journey. We're going to talk today about submission. We're going to talk today about the authority of the Father. I believe personally that one of the greatest misunderstandings in the body of Christ as a whole is we fail to understand true submission to authority. We think it's something that is optional, that, well, if I like the leader that's over me, if I agree with what he says or if she treats me nice, then I can submit to him or I can submit to her. That's not submission. That's agreement. That's all that is. What the Father God wants to do today is show us by the power of his word who he is, being all authority, that there is such freedom. There is such grace. There is such protection when you align yourself properly underneath true headship and authority. It is not meant for somebody to lord over. I don't try to lord over my wife, but I am there to serve her. He gives us the most beautiful picture of Christ laying his life down for the church. There's a lot of weight that Christ holds in that statement. But when we understand that the good good father that we sing about, really I don't even like that song. I like the fact that he's great. He's not just good, like he's great. Should be great great father. Chris Tomlin's got to change the lyrics or something. But he is great. But we understand that when we fall underneath the umbrella of the authority of the father, it's not a bad thing. There is so much safety. I've counseled with, you know, a few couples and people, and they, when they just step outside of the authority, I'm like, no wonder it's all just going crazy. Because you don't understand that there's so much freedom to be found when we walk underneath his authority. The Father this morning is inviting us to live a life of submission. Now, you may not like what I have to say today, and I'm okay with that. You are welcome to disagree with me as long as what I say is not scriptural. But if what I say is scriptural then make sure that your exception isn't what is what with me but is what was said and you need to go back and read the scripture. I'm saying that in all sincerity. I'm not trying to sound haughty or proud. If you hear an opinion get mixed in there, then you can just throw that to the side. That might be Andrew Storms and I might be wrong, but if it's in the Bible, if it's in the word of God and you see it and we read it, the logos written word of God that has just as much power as the rhema spoken word of God. We need both of them. But we're going to dive in this morning and look at his authority as being the word of God. I'm going to go through, if you're taking notes this morning, about five quick little areas that we're going to progress on from there of certain places that the Lord has invited us in our lives to submit to other people. I, I see this as kind of like a hotbed of coals that we're going to step across really quickly. I don't want to stay on one of them too long because it, it'll burn and it'll hurt just a little bit. And I'm smarter than that. We're just going to keep Amen. pushing on through. Amen? Amen. Number one. Through the authority of the Father that we're talking about this morning, he has invited us to submit to our earthly leaders as a whole. I'm talking about politicians and elected officials and governors and presidents and world leaders. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 13. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. How many of you know there's some ignorant talk going on in our world with some foolish people? Amen? We as the body of Christ are not invited into that talk. We're invited to submit to our authority. I understand. I'm human. I know there are times that our government and people in charge of us ask us to do things or agree with things that are unethical and immoral. I'm not talking about those situations. When that occurs, the Holy Spirit continues to lead and guide, and he gives you wisdom to overly submit to Father God, kind of like Daniel did in his his day when he was asked about. He said, I can't do that. I'm with you on that. I'm not disagreeing with that. But inside of what you have the capability to do, when you are at odds with what is going on, you need to ask yourself, am I submitted to my earthly leaders." I, again, this is not my opinion. I'm reading this from what Peter said. A man that walked with Jesus, that knew the power of God and all supremacy that he holds, and he still says, you need to submit to your earthly leaders. Let's hop off of this hot coal and move to another one. Here we go. Number two, got to submit to those directly over you. Now, the language is harsh here for our current American language, but you'll see that it makes sense. Most of us can think of somebody that is directly over us. If you're employed, if you're a student, perhaps it's your professor. I know there's some of us in the room that maybe own our own business or run our own company, so that's a little bit different. But ultimately, we all have to answer to somebody that is directly above us, that affects us on a daily basis. And what it says in 1 Peter 2, again, in verse number 18, it says, slaves in reverent fear, of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. I'm glad he put that in there, because I'm not sure I would agree with that. But he said it, so we're going to go with it. Moving on, number three, you are invited through the authority of the Father to submit to church leaders. Look what it says in Hebrews 13, verse 17. It says, have confidence... The New American Standard there says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. It says, do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. I say this so gently, so, so gently. When Tyler's up here as our church leader or Chris or Mitchell or Kent, Myself at times being an elder, we as humans need to be encouraged. You don't have to come up and say you agree with everything, but when a leader asks you to submit, and I'm treading very lightly here, we don't need you approaching us right away and telling us what we were saying was wrong. Can I get an amen on that? I'm not saying that for my benefit. I'm trying to stay inside of the word of God. If this is opinion, then we'll just move on beyond this. But we need to be submitted to what they do. These guys are held to a higher standard. It says that by the Lord. They have to give an account. So you don't have to play the judge on their behalf. Let God do that. Let God be the one that comes and judges. If you're a college student, and Mitchell Welch is our college pastor, has asked you to do something, You know it's not immoral. It's not unethical. We don't need to buck him and come against him and say, well, I don't think so. We need to submit. That's what we're missing in this church, in the kingdom of God, is we don't understand there's so much freedom, there's so much protection if you will just do what is asked of you by somebody that God has placed over your life. I say that with all seriousness and with all gentleness as best I know how. Submit to your church leaders. Number four, we need to submit to each other in the body of Christ. I love it. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, it simply says that. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, I don't agree with you. Great. It doesn't say that. It says you do it out of reverence for Christ. That's what it says. You don't have to agree with who you're submitting to. And once again, it's not this game of who's right and who's wrong. It's like, hey, let's do it your way this time. It's, it's still inside of the Gospels. Let's, let's try that approach or let's pray this way. Whatever it is, but we submit one to another because we need each other. Christ is all about unity and getting the body to to function properly, not just sit in pews together, but assemble together and become a working vessel that can carry out his plans. And finally, number five, before we move on, this one I'm gonna step on quickly and and jump right back off. Uh, Precursor here, guys, just look straight ahead. I don't need amens, I don't need any nudging. Just listen, you'll see in a second. Beginning in verse 22 of Ephesians 5, I'm going to talk to the women for just a moment. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Well, Andrew, he's not talking to us, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. That's between you and him to figure that out. If we begin to move away from scripture because it doesn't fit what we've been taught our whole lives, we begin to go down a treacherous path that can take us into bad places. I challenge you, if you know of marriages that are good, show me a good marriage that doesn't operate with true submission, and I'll be shocked and I'll recant everything that I say. But every time I see an issue, with marriage, it has to do with respect and love. Women, you're kind of off the hook here. It never tells you you actually have to love your husband. It just says you have to respect him. It's true, read it. It's there. Guys, it says that you have to lay down your life and you have to love your wife. The greater call is actually on the men. But the women, you are asked to submit in everything. What happens is when you choose not to, you step out from underneath the covering of what God has designed And then you begin to take a load that is too much. Scripture says that he will never give us more than we can bear. You know that one? But when you step outside of authority, the enemy will try to place more on you than you can bear. You'll begin to crater. So women, if you are feeling the weight of life and you're like, I just can't take this. It's just not healthy. I'm submitting to you carefully. Are you submitted to your husband? Well, what happens when your husband's a complete jerk? Or he doesn't even know Jesus. He doesn't even come to church. He just comes home and turns the TV on and gets drunk or whatever he does. They actually even approach that right here. Look what it says. In 1 Peter 3, again, verse 1 through 2, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence Of your lives what a great opportunity the Lord has given women to be so reverent to Christ that they can serve a husband who doesn't even know him yet amen it's beautiful that the Lord does that again this is a a bed of hot coals that we're trying to progress through this all has to do with the authority of the father but as we begin to kind of change gears we'll come back to this a little bit I want to make this statement that true authority has the power not only to act, but true authority has the power to simply speak. For those of us that are parents, we understand this pretty well. If you have some, some kids and they're at odds and little Johnny took little Susie's toy and Susie's like, Johnny, give it back. And he ain't giving it back. But what do they say? They said, Mom, Dad, tell him to give it back. Johnny, give her the toy back. What does he do? He gives it back. He understands that the voice spoken through authority, I don't have to go over there and take the toy out of the hand and remove it. I just simply speak. And whatever I say, my authority becomes what happens right after that. So we have to ask, what is the authority of the Father? What is it that He speaks that allows things to change and to shift? I think that if we can find out what is the true authority of the Father, what is He saying, Then the things we just talked about, those five points of submission, they really become secondary and they're really easy and joyful and they're life-giving and it's not, won't feel like a regulation, it's just gonna be like, oh, I see that inside of the scripture. So that's our goal for the next few moments is to answer the question, what is the authority of the Father? I'm submitting to you, it's what he is speaking and I'm hopeful to show that in the next few moments. It's what he says that actually reveals his authority. One of my favorite passages in Psalms, 119, verse 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Doesn't matter what he says, it's settled in heaven. He will not recant. He always speaks out of his authority. So they begin to ponder this and think, what is your authority? What is it that you are saying? As we look at John chapter 1, we begin to see it. It says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word, what God was speaking, it was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. If you have been in church for a while, perhaps your whole life or just a few years, you understand that when it's talking about in the beginning was the Word, they're speaking of Jesus there. We know that because in John 1, 14, just a little bit down, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's speaking about Jesus there. This is all going to make sense in just a few moments. So we're asking, what is the Father saying? What is he speaking? Well, as we look at that John 1 passage, it says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus, right? Well, let's go back just quickly for a moment. I want to show you something. In Genesis 1, that is the beginning. Would you agree with that? When it says in the beginning, we're going back to Genesis 1. Look what it says in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, there's God, Father God. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Well, I see Father God, that, and I see the Spirit of God But who does it appear is missing right there? Does it not? I don't see Jesus. Anybody see Jesus anywhere right there? I don't see it. But yet in John 1, it says that in the beginning was what? The Word. So is he there or is he not? Well, let's look at it. If you actually look at the original Hebrew text, the way that they write it, they they move their adjectives and their verbs and nouns all around, it actually reads like this. You can look it up sometime for yourself. It says, in the beginning created God And then there's like this symbol that does not get translated in the Hebrew. So in the beginning created God, the heavens, and the earth. Well, if you look at this symbol, you will find it throughout Genesis. And what it is, it's called an Aleph and a Tav. It's just these two Hebrew symbols that are married together. Okay, Aleph and Tav don't mean anything to us right now. But if you translate it over into the New Testament, into the Greek, it's actually the first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So when we move it over, it translates as what? Alpha and Omega. Well, that's kind of interesting. So as we see that, we see in the beginning created God, Alpha and Omega, the heavens and the earth. So it's maybe there's a chance that Jesus is right there with the Father untranslated yet because he had not yet shown his true ending. He's just the beginning. So stay with me for just a moment. So as he comes, so we see Jesus here. What is the very first thing that we ever see in the Bible uttered from the mouth of the Father? It's right there, I believe, in verse 3. It says, let there be light. So I submit to you this morning that as we see that, as we have the Alpha and Omega right here, Jesus, that when Father God opens his mouth, bang, he sends forth the light. But I love what John eight twelve says. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of of the world. His first words out of his mouth through his authority of speaking was to release Jesus into the darkness. Is anybody with me on that this morning? So we see that almighty God, when he has the opportunity to create from the voice of him, he says, let there be Jesus, let there be light. And Jesus comes along, and he said, hey, I'm the light of the world, if you will just come to me. We see the spirit of God, he's hovering, and in our lives, he's working through the formlessness and the void and the emptiness. But we have to have the word of Jesus spoken into our lives. In Ephesians 1, verse 22, it says that God placed all things under his feet. He's speaking of Jesus here, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's because when he's speaking of authority, when he's releasing Jesus, he's actually speaking the authority to Jesus himself. Colossians 2 puts it this way, beginning in verse 9. It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. The word of authority spoken by the Father is Jesus. That's who he sent to accomplish the works that he needed done. He spoke light and he said, there's Jesus now in the earth. And he manifests himself. That's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. A great passage in Luke that shows the understanding of somebody that understood the power of the spoken word of God. I want to pick it up in verse number two. It says, And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly employed him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant us to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus started on his way with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and the other one, come, and he comes, And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him. Like this guy caught Jesus in a a moment. I don't think he surprised him, but he marveled at him, and he turns to this whole crowd that's following him. He said, hey, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Do you realize in that story that the centurion never even saw Jesus? He didn't. He sent people, and he said, if you will just speak Out of your authority, if you'll just say the word, my servant will be healed. I don't need anything else. I just need the authority because I understand that you are the word of God. You're the light of the world that God spoke. And all I need you to do is speak. It's an amazing thing. We know at the end of the story that they find his servant, they go back, and he is completely 100% healed. But there are some people that saw Jesus. And that, that was even before the crucifixion and the resurrection. But there's some people that saw him even post-resurrection that still didn't even believe. And he approaches that in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. I think there's probably some of us in the room today that are in that boat. It says, but Jesus came up and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and he gives us the Great Commission. I just want to submit some things to you. Because Jesus is the Word of God, Jesus has all authority to restore a man's withered hand. He also has authority to cleanse 10 lepers in an instant. Jesus, because he is the Word of God, he has all authority to raise a friend of his back to life who's been dead for four days. He has the authority to calm the winds. And the waves, Jesus, because he is the word of God, he can set free a man, demon-possessed, who's living in a cemetery, and he can put him in his right mind. It's also because of his authority that he's able to offer forgiveness to a woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. His authority allows him to spit on the ground, to form some mud, to rub it in a blind man's eyes to restore his sight. And it's his authority that allows him to take a young boy's meager lunch and turn it into a buffet for over 5,000 people. We see his authority, and we see the miracles that he does. We say, well, that's Jesus. But I think if all we see in there is all these great things he do, we miss about half of what authority is there to do. Because authority isn't there just to, for you to perform these great and mighty feats and perform these miracles. It's here to actually get us through sometimes. Look what it says in 1 Peter two twenty three. It's speaking of Jesus It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. This man that is full of authority, man, if somebody speaks ill of me, that stings me. I want to retaliate. Maybe not in a physical way, but I want to say something back. I don't think I'm the only one in here that probably feels that way. We don't like being mishandled. It says, when he suffered, he made no threats. He could have said, hey, I'm perfect. What are you messing with me for? Why am I having to suffer? But he said, you know what? Because he had all authority, he just kept his mouth shut. Instead, get this with me, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I think that is one of the most amazing verses dealing with an understanding of spiritual authority. I submit to you that it is his authority is what allowed him to act the way that he did. Do you know that submitting to God's authority It doesn't excuse us from submitting to others. It actually allows us to submit to them. That's what it does. He alone, God the Father, in his authority, he's the one that judges justly. When we refuse to submit the way that he has asked us to, we're trying to play the role of the judge, and he never intended it to be that way. He just says, you submit, and I'll judge. Let me be me. It's from that place of authority that Jesus is able to speak not a word when his accusers falsely assailed him with vicious lies, because he understood authority, because he is the word of God, that's actually what allows him to turn the other cheek when smacked open-handed in the face by sinners. It's his authority that allowed him to take each of the 39 stripes that were deserved by me, but reserved for him. It's from that place of authority that he's able to stay on the cross and suffer the most brutal death that a man can die it's because of his authority that he's able to enter into hell itself and rightfully take back the keys to death in the grave and it's from his place of authority that he's able to commission you and i to the ends of the earth to make baptized disciples of his who will obey all that he has commanded them to do he has that authority because he is the word of god and he has entrusted himself to the father so as we begin to wind this down, I have to ask, how do we become a part of that story? How do we submit ourselves to God, to Jesus, and to his Word? Is it just following the guidelines? that the five things of submission that we talked about? I also am aware that the Bible does say, submit to God. It says that. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Like, there's so many more verses. I just had to pick a few for time's sake. But how do we do that? Do we just follow those, and now, hey, I'm submitted because I'm doing what the word says? That's partially true. Is it that we have a change of attitude or now that we see that Jesus is the word of God and this kind of cool revelation that that brings freedom and now we're submitted to his authority? Somewhat. But I think it's deeper than that. And so I had to dialogue with the Lord this week and I had to, to ask him some questions. What do you really want to say about your authority? What is it that you want us to get it, and as he began to show me these things about that the authority is the spoken word of God and that the first thing he ever spoke is Jesus, and Jesus himself begins to speak, I just begin to dwell on words. Like, what are, what are words? It's what we use, it's how we communicate. But where often do we find words outside of the spoken word? And I just ask, and the answer's obvious. We find it in books. That's where we find words, written down, penned, by somebody. And then I asked the question a little bit further: well, who is it that writes books? Well, whoever writes the book is simply the author, right? So as I began to think about that, I, I understood that when the author begins to write something down, it becomes an extension of who he is or who, who she is. It becomes an extension of the authority that they have. And so he begins to show me in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author of and the finisher of our faith. And I wasn't connecting it, and then he opened my eyes, and I had prayed that your eyes would be open to receive this word that he gave to me so beautifully. Have you ever noticed the six letters that begin the word authority? Some of you are sitting there counting on your fingers and <laughs> trying to figure it out. Jesus has all authority, but he also has all authority. He wants to write the story of your life. As he begins to show me that, I understood that's what it means to be submitted, is to allow him to be the author, to have authority over everything that you do and over everything that you say. You may not agree with every chapter, but if your life is submitted to him and you have given him all authority, then he will use you to accomplish his works in the earth. Did you know that nothing in his kingdom is ever accomplished outside of his authority? Because as he speaks it, as he writes it, that is what gets things moving in the kingdom. So I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you this morning, is your life an autobiography? Are you the one that's choosing to fill the pages with a way that you think is right? You said, hey, I'm going to author my own life. I'm just going to take down... Whatever it is, I'm going I'm to come up with my own plan, my own agenda. I want to write the chapters of my life. I was born and raised here, but now I get to choose where I go to school. I get to choose who I married. I don't want him to be the author of that. I want to pick. Are we writing an autobiography here, or is our story being written by the author of life? Do you know that stepping outside of his authority means that you have chosen to write the story of your own life? And he gives us free will. I want to say that to you so gently that he actually allows you to do that if you want to. But the scary part, but comforting to those that let him write, you can fill in all you want in the middle. But he gets to write the beginning and he gets to write the ending because he is the Alpha and he is the Omega. None of you determine the day you were brought into this earth and none of you will determine the day that you leave it. That's all up to his authority. So why would we think that we're wise enough or that we're intelligent enough to fill in the paces? Why would we not submit to him? You realize that when you and I become the author, we're writing in ink. When you allow him to do it, he writes in blood. And that's what lasts. That's the story that he wants to write And your life. And when he writes the story, when the author of life, when Jesus, the written word of God, the spoken word of God, when he writes your life for you, it becomes his authority. Whatever he says goes. And what I love about his words is that they never return to him void, they always accomplish what they are sent to do. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? If you would, go ahead and stand to your feet. You've been so gracious and generous. If the worship team will make their way back up. If we have some of our life group leaders or prayer partners, if you will go ahead and make your way to the front. You know, some of us struggle with how do we accomplish things for Him. And hopefully, I know it's a slippery slope and I probably didn't lay it out as good as I should have, but I want you to see that It's the Word of God that brings life. It's the Word of God that He speaks, that He writes, that allows you to accomplish things for Him. It's not this doing thing. It's it's yielding yourself to Him. As I begin to pray about this time, just about this simple message, and hopefully brought some encouragement to you, I just begin to ask, God, where do you want to land with this? And I feel so clearly like, That he's just saying that there's some of us that have been trying desperately to write our own story and it's just time to relinquish that. Just say, God, I come before you and I surrender to you. I know you've been chasing me this whole time. You're coming after me and there's some repentance even that needs to happen. That we said, I've tried to author my own life, but I want to submit to your true authority. What I love about him writing the story is that though not every chapter makes sense, And I'm with you. Some of you have been through some horrible things that you never want to revisit. Although it doesn't make sense, we know that He causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purposes. But as we back off and we think about authors and people writing books, did you know that authors don't write books for themselves? They're made for other people to read. And some of us have never even seen our own lives like that, that your life story, what God has called you to, the ugly chapters, the good chapters, whatever else is in between, the beginning and the end, it's not just for you, it's for other people to read. Guys, there is a lost and dying world out there looking to pick up a book that's real, a life that's genuine, that is submitted to something greater than itself that doesn't just say, oh, it's my life, I can do with it what I want. That's a slippery slope and it doesn't have a good ending. You can read about it all throughout the Bible. We submit ourselves to his authority. and We say, God, you can do with me whatever you want. Then those five hot coals we stepped on, those don't even matter, that's easy. I can submit to my church leaders, I can submit to authority because I ultimately trust him to write the story of my life. We need to set our own agendas aside some of us, I'm speaking to a specific group here, gone through ADS. The discipleship's going, and think, God's going to send me to the nations. That might not be his story for you, and that's okay. When you feel yourself not at peace with what God's calling you to do, it's probably because you interrupted the blood and said, I just want to write a little bit in ink. And that's all of us, guys. It's not just you. It's me, too. We have to set our own agendas, our own pens aside, and just say, I want the blood of the Lamb to write the story of my life. These guys up here that are here to pray with you, anything you need prayer for, they are here. But if you just need to come down and say, I don't even know how to turn it over, but I want to. I want to give everything I have back to the true author of life, to that authority. And we would love to do that for you this morning. Just be somebody that can pray with you. And I speak over your lives, guys. I want you to know that the books that you are. Each of you represent a story that you are a book worth reading. You are so full of life. I don't care where you are today. I want you to know there's hope. We've prayed this morning. There's a word that says God wants to reignite us with hope. It's okay if you feel like you've gotten these pages. You are not at the end of your book. Jesus with that blood, boy, he can go back and he can erase all that junk that you wrote in an instant. And he'll say, I'm going to start writing your name in blood because there's one book but you better have your name in. It's up in heaven. It's the Lamb's book of life. He's going to open it up, and he's going to see your name when you submit and say, I believe that Jesus came as the ultimate authority and has paid the price for my life. If that's you today and you've never done that, what a great opportunity to have your name written in blood today. If you have done that and you're just struggling in life, set the pen down. That's my encouragement. Set it down. Set it down. Let him write the story of your life. Jesus, we're so grateful this morning that you are the word of the Father, that the true authority that he gave to you is because you are the word. You are his authority. Lord, I pray in this room that you would speak words of affirmation to those that need it, words of encouragement. Lord, we repent as a whole and say, we do not want to write our own stories. We want you to write it for us. Lord, give those that need to respond the courage to do so. We don't want to miss a moment. We're not trying to coerce people, Lord. We want them to be set free. We want to see them walk in the fullness of what you have called them, myself included. Lord, may your word be treasured here in our lives and even in these next few moments. May we listen to your voice like we did earlier. May we respond with obedience, with grace, Lord. May we submit to the authority of your word Jesus Christ we love you we bless you in Jesus name I pray